following is a presentation of Main Street Media, your source for news, sports, and information on Main Street in Middle Tennessee. of the best sports talk in Middle Tennessee, featuring Tennessee Radio Hall of Famer George Plaster, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame coach Watson Brown, and Young Guns, Billy Derrick and Michael Sendrick. And now, here's your host, George Plaster. Hello again, everybody. Welcome in on kind of a strange Tuesday in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know any other way to put it. There were a series of things that we expected to do on the show today and had no idea that around 11 o'clock uh, a bomb would go off. Uh, and that bomb involved the uh, parting of ways. At least that's the way it's been termed by the Titans uh, involving general manager John Robinson. We're going to spend most of the 4 o'clock hour, if you're watching live, on this subject. Then Tony Basilio will join us around 5 o'clock, and my buddy and former Vanderbilt star Barry Goheen will join us around 5.30. So to say the least, we have got a very busy show for you. Let's bring Coach Watson Brown to our microphones. Watson, the thing that uh, is sad for me, I got to know John Robinson a little bit, and I know what it meant to him. Having grown up in Union City, Tennessee, we used to laugh about he, he and Mark Griffin, uh, the former University of Tennessee player who we have on the show a lot. Both of them grew up in Union City. This job meant a lot to him. And, you know, he got very emotional at the Combine back in February when uh, when talking about the playoff loss to Cincinnati. I know how much this hurts him. Yeah, it does, George. It's, it's, it's tough in this business, which I've been in for 46 years. And, and it's, it's bottom line in ways, and there are bosses that basically control you stay in or not. So it's really not in your hands. You do the best you can. I feel for John. I'm surprised at this. I know we're going to get into it pretty good. Um, surprised at the time that it's happened more than it, that it's happened. Uh, something really had to fester to just do it right in the middle of the season like this. Um, and George, I'll, I'll quickly make this statement and we'll get deeper into it, but I don't think there's any way he's let go uh, if Mike Vrabel is 100% in his corner. I, I just I don't see it happening that way. And so there's got to be a parting a little bit there. And John's the one that hired Mike. Yep. John, John hired Mike as being an assistant with the Houston Texans and to come in to be the head coach here. I just – I know how these things go down. 
been in them myself in the firing and been in them myself in, in getting fired. And um, th- th- it's, it's, there's got to be more to it. And Mike couldn't have just stuck up 100% for him. If he did, I don't think this would go down like it went down. Let's bring Terry McCormick in. Normally, it's daily Titans update. Today, I could care less who comes off the PUP list or whatever, and we're going to get kind of down and dirty on this thing. So, Terry, the the timing seems strange, but it seems like you could connect some A.J. Brown dots here. Brown, of last week, telling everybody what he's going to attempt to do, has this monster game, and then when the Titans get back, the GM who made the deal gets fired. You know, it's pretty easy to believe that somewhere, either Amy Strunk and or Mike Vrabel got involved in this and said, you know, enough. Yeah, George, I think, uh, you know, and you and I talked about this earlier uh, once the news came down and all. If you'll recall, you know, there was a, there's a report that's been put out now from Adam Schefter that says that Amy Adams Strunk made the determination this morning that she was going to move on from John Robinson. And like you said, the timing of this is very interesting, given that the team is seven and five and on the verge of clinching the AFC South for the third straight year. But also, that was an embarrassing performance that the team had on Sunday by one of their former players, A.J. Brown, just kind of taking it to them and kind of doing whatever he wanted to and leading the Eagles to that 35-10 to 10 win. If you will remember, one of the few other times that Amy Adams Strunk has stepped in and played the trump card in this organization was in 2015 when Ken Wisenhunt was the head coach and the Titans were floundering and she relieved him of his duties two days after a beatdown in Houston where it was so embarrassing that, you know, J.J. Watt had just teed off on Zach Mettenberger, who was the quarterback at the time, and Mettenberger was literally crawling to the sidelines, you know, just a, a pathetic display by the Titans and their performance that day. So, you know, you wonder if there's any connection there in her feeling that the team was embarrassed on the field of play and making a decision of this magnitude. Do you agree with Watson that Vrabel was in on this? I think he had to have some knowledge of it, obviously, that she's not going to change general managers without uh, having her head coach in on the loop. You know, he's got to be in the loop. Terry, that's not what I mean. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I think it's easy to sort of believe that Vrabel had gotten frustrated that he no longer had the wide receiver who is Super Bowl caliber. He had an Isaiah Wilson thing that was a fiasco. Sure. The Caleb Farley drafting has not worked. I'm asking you, was Mike Vrabel actively involved in this? I think Mike Vrabel was very frustrated. You could sense that a couple of times. You saw it on draft day when they traded A.J. Brown. You saw his reaction when they cut to the war room of the Titans. And there's John Robinson trying to explain what it is that they've done in trading A.J. Brown. And Mike Vrabel is, you can tell, he's seething. And then the other part was after the game on Sunday, you could see, you know, and hear in the tone of Mike Vrabel's voice that he was very 
exasperated, very frustrated at not only at not not just losing, but losing in the way that they did, and because of a guy that they used to have and traded away. So, I do think that uh, Mike Vrabel's frustrations probably played a role in this. Terry, obviously Watson's going to get in the middle of this as well. This is not just going to be me, but. When the trade went down, I was uh, I was on vacation uh, down near the Gulf Coast, and obviously I was shocked by it. I had no idea it was coming. I never felt like John was able to get the message across to the fan base of, look, here's why we did what we did. We know it's unpopular, but you've got to understand where we're coming from. Why did he make the trade? Well, a couple of things. One, you know, the Titans have this, you know, ideology, this thought process, this family thing, so to speak, that Mike Brable has talked about from time to time, that John Robinson talked about a lot. And A.J. Brown was making waves. You know, he was, you know, they felt like he was more concerned about his money and his contract situation than being the good soldier and waiting his turn to get paid. So I think that was some of it. And then I think part of it was the fact, too, George, that, you know, in bucking the team trend of, you know, waiting your turn, doing, you know, and and just keep your mouth shut and play football type of thing that they, you know, seem to like over there at St. Thomas Sports Park. I think in getting rid of A.J. Brown and trading him, you know, they did. I don't think they got nearly enough back in return. They got the pick that they used on Traylon Burks, but, you know, Here's the deal. You do not trade superstar players unless you absolutely have to. And A.J. Brown was under contract. He could have held out in training camp. He would have eventually showed up and played football for the Tennessee Titans if they had forced his hand. You know, but I guess they didn't want to deal with all the distractions and the commotion that would have come with that, the back and forth in the media and whatnot. So they moved on, but they didn't get nearly enough. And you saw that very evident on Sunday. Watson, take it from there for a question. Then we'll go to the break, and then we'll really get into this some more. Okay. I, this A.J. Brown thing, Terry, you know, I've harped on all year, probably one of the three of us. It's just every time I bring it up a bunch. When you think you're good enough to compete for a Super Bowl, and then you let one of your top two stars on offense go, it just made no sense to me. And that thing about family and then you take it on, that's all great up till the superstar time. And those superstars are going to demand that money. And that that guy that's the other wide receiver, he'll be family a little more. I just don't think you treat everybody just as family. And uh, I would have, number one, held out. Or, number two, I would have restructured some other contracts to come up for some money to pay A.J. Brown. And we all knew how good he was. So I just, there's got to be more to this than just that, though. I don't think this is a one trade deal. I think, Terry, there's more. And I know we're going to get into that, George, as we go. But this A.J. Brown thing, to me, told the team, maybe correct me if I'm over-exaggerating this, but I think it told the team, well, we were a Super Bowl contender. But we'll we'll back off here a little bit, and we'll restructure, and we'll we'll get back up there again. When you let that guy go, and you bring in a rookie to take his place, 
What is that telling the rest of the team? A great message. You know, there was a, I guess, a school of thought, too, that the Titans were in a situation where maybe they had to choose between whether they wanted to pay A.J. Brown or if they wanted to pay Jeffrey Simmons. But that's for down the road. They could have kept both guys if they had really wanted to play hardball with A.J. Brown. And then the other thing, the other part of it that we'll probably get into more later is that they simply had too many misses, and now they're paying the price for it. The offensive line is in shambles. When Taylor Lewan went down with an injury, they wound up trading for Dennis Daly to replace him. Dennis Daly looks like a guy who ought to be in the USFL. He is not a starting caliber lineman in the NFL, in my opinion. He's been beaten routinely, and that's part of the big problem in the passing game is that they cannot protect the ball. Ryan Tannehill long enough for him to – you know, get deep routes down the field, vertical routes and explosive plays consistently. And they also can't run the ball, run block well enough to keep people off Derrick Henry so that he can get through the hole and get to the second level. So when you miss on Isaiah Wilson, Dylan Radins on the offensive line, that's a big problem because that then you end up playing guys like Aaron Brewer and Dennis Daly who are below average players. Same thing with Caleb Farley. They took a chance on Caleb Farley, knowing his injury history. It didn't work out because now he's injured again. Terry, yeah. let's do this. Let, let's go to our first break. Watson, get ready because we'll we'll get right back to you afterwards. Okay. 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 So, so most of the first hour will be devoted uh, to the parting of the ways. I mean, you can call it what you want. He got fired. Uh, of Titans general manager John Robinson. By the way, if you're wondering, what is the, the suit and tie all about? I attended a funeral earlier today of a really good BGA classmate. Um, this is not necessarily the way I want to dress, but for today, you're just going to have to deal with it. This is Main Street Media Television. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East and for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you.
When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the Old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes. Insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Berner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. We're back, and obviously the 4 o'clock hour will be dominated by the story of the Titans letting go of general manager John Robinson earlier today. Um, You know, I think you can connect the dots. A.J. Brown has this monster game on Sunday. The Eagles kind of trashed the Titans, and at some point when they got home, either Mike Vrabel voiced to Amy Strunk see what I've been talking about, or Amy Strunk just on her own said, why did this happen? So Watson, you take it from there. Terry McCormick is alongside and we'll, we'll get to all the issues before the hour is over. A a couple more things, Terry, generally about this and, and George to you too, to ask your opinion. You know, you're talking about Wisenhunt and when they went to Houston and they had all these sacks and it, it was awful and embarrassing. That's exactly what happened Sunday. They had all these sacks. Our quarterback got embarrassed, got killed. I felt so sorry for him. I, I, I'm telling you, he took shots, unmerciful shots in that game to the point I said, get him out of there. We're going to kill him. And I, that, that comes to mind when you said that about the Houston deal with Wisenhunt. And the second thing is I want to give John some credit here. I mean, we've had five straight winning seasons. We've won three straight division titles. There's been a lot of good come. He's the one that hired Mike Vrabel, who's a very well thought of successful coach right now in the NFL. And uh, so I think he will show up again. He's got too good a track record not to show back up somewhere again, if he wants to in his life. So I'll, I'll, I'll get that out of the way. But then I look at guys, they're sitting here one in five against winning record teams, six and zero oh against losing record teams. 
And so they really hadn't – the one team they beat that's got a winning record did not have a winning record when we beat them. It was the Washington Commanders, and now they do have a winning record since that time. Now, the rest of the way, they, they've got three losing teams out of the next five, and I think they'll be playing the Chargers with a losing record because I think the Dolphins will beat them this week before the Titans go out to, to, to play the Chargers on the West Coast and the Cowboys will probably end up having the only winning record. And, and we're going to win this division, Terry, and we're going to have no worse than a 10-7 and seven record. No worse than. And, and very well could be a little better than that. So it, it, it's there's a lot of ways to look at this. But the thing that I'm going to throw out there to both of you that bothers me is if I own this football team, if I own this football team, I'm not going to get involved in every little operation thing. I'm not. Jerry Jones does. Not many do. But something like A.J. Brown, if I owned this football team, I would have said, uh-uh. We ain't trading that guy. I'm telling you right now, find another way, but we're not letting that guy go. I think it's a little unfair to throw it all on John Robinson. I know from the look at Mike Rabel's eyes, he didn't like it at all. And Mike Terry had just come out and said, as long as I'm here, A.J. Brown will be here. He will never leave. And by golly, the next day he's gone. And so I know Mike Grable wasn't for it. But how does the owner not step up and say no? And if she fired him for that reason, she's got to look a little bit in a mirror here and say, I got to learn from this and not let my superstars get away and speak up when I need to speak up. Am I off base there? Or is that a fair statement? No, you're, you're all in fact, in fact, there was there was part of that Adam Schefter clip that I was referring to, talking about, you know, the her decision to fire was apparently the thought that maybe she didn't 100 percent realize that AJ Brown was going to be traded, you know, which and if that's the case, you know, then she needs to listen more in the media because certainly, you know, that had been kicked around and you know kind of bubbling under the surface for at least two or three weeks prior to the deal happening because A.J. Brown kind of hinted around through his people that he was not happy with the contract situation and that uh, he wanted something done about that. And it seemed like the Titans didn't move quickly enough. And then once things got out of control, then they made the decision to go ahead and deal him away. And now they're paying the price. To me, what this turned out to be was a big stink bomb in the locker room because you know shortly after that, the veterans on that team are saying, what the hell? We're, we're saying, <coughs> excuse me, we're saying we're a Super Bowl team and they know full well they're not. Right now, they are simply the product of a crummy division. They've got gaping holes. Yeah, they're going to host a first-round playoff game by default, Terry, and that's all it is. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I guess maybe they were thinking that they could do the same thing that the Minnesota Vikings did when they traded Stephon Diggs to Buffalo and then drafted uh, Justin Jefferson, who's as good, maybe better, but certainly that's not the way it's wound up. Uh, you know, and A.J. Brown certainly made them realize that on Sunday. and. 
you know, in fairness to Traylon Burks, we didn't get to see a full complement of what he could do because he got knocked out of the game with a concussion on that great touchdown catch. And, you know, and that play right there gives you a glimmer of hope of the type of player that Burks could possibly be. But, you know, that is a, you know, that's a, an unlikely roll of the dice to be able to replace a veteran superstar with a rookie and have that rookie be just as good right off the bat. The thing that Justin Jefferson is doing in Minnesota is, is the exception, not the rule with rookie with rookie wide receivers. Would you guys agree with that? And I think the Titans yeah, and, and lost. And Terry, by the way, it's to the Titans players' credit that they have really not come out to any great extent and ripped this. But you know in that locker room, they're sitting there going, after that was done, what the hell? Tell me a little bit while we're while we're on all this about the replacement. Is it interim? Is it permanent? What is it? Well, it's Ryan Cowden, who's interviewed unsuccessfully for a couple of GM jobs. He previously worked in the Carolina Panthers personnel department before he came here. He was kind of John Robinson's right-hand man uh, in the front office. So he has the interim tag. It'll be interesting to see uh, if he gets a real look at the job permanently because, you know, obviously his ties to John Robinson, I don't know how much the Titans will want to distance themselves from the entire John Robinson, uh, you know, staff and all. It's going to be interesting because I think part of the reason that you make Ryan Cowden the interim is simply for the fact that you're too late in the ball game, so to speak, from the offseason and scouting perspective to make any real personnel moves here uh, that can uh, set you up for the draft. You've got to keep that same scouting staff, even though it may be a lame duck type situation, because they're the ones who've already attended all the college games and practices. They're the ones who've been talking to college coaches, college assistants, uh, you know, different people that are associated with all the prospects that are coming out. So even though there could well be a new general manager in place in January or February, that guy is only going to be getting his feet wet as he calls the shots in the draft, and he's going to be doing it with the current staff that's in place. Now, my presumption is he's going to be doing it with Mike Vrabel looking over his shoulder and having a serious amount of input in terms of who the Titans need to take at what, at what position uh, in the draft. My guess is that out of this, Mike Vrabel ascends to the top of the power structure. Watson... Is it almost that Vrabel is going to handpick the next guy? There's no way they're going with this guy long-term, given that he's sort of Robinson's guy, and Robinson is no longer the flavor of the month. Isn't this going to be a Vrabel guy? I, I don't see how it's not. Uh, the way this went down, I'm going to go back to what I said at the start. I don't think Mike got rid of John. But I don't think Mike saved John. Mike, in my opinion, if Miss Amy says, this is the way I feel, Mike could have walked in and said, Miss Amy, stick with it longer. I'm telling you, John's the right guy. We've made some mistakes. We can get them corrected. But it's obvious he did not do that. So that tells me that now he's going to be the one in charge. And the one thing I've learned, George and Terry, uh, uh, now getting involved in NFL daily. 
the general manager and the head coach, man, have to G and Hall. In college, you didn't have that guy. The head coach made all of his own decisions. Now, he, he, he picked the guys he wanted on his team. Now, he didn't get who he wanted all the time because he had to go recruit them. But in the NFL, you can pick them and then you draft them. And they've got to have a G and Hall there or you don't make it in the NFL. And, and, then, and I don't think, Terry, a football coach and being the general manager is the way to go either. I know how hard it was to be an AD and a head football coach, doing them both at the same time. And I wouldn't do it again. I I wouldn't do it again. And so they've got to get the right GM. And, man, have I learned that head football coach and that GM, man, have got to be – I mean, they got to be tight. And their offices ought to be absolutely next door to each other with with a door in between. With because a, what looks their brains, to learn their what. thoughts, their hearts, everything has to coordinate. And that GM I've learned has to understand the draft to the philosophy of the, how the coach wants to play. So he's got to totally understand. They got to understand each other. And, and it's just obvious to me, John Pick, picked him. So, I mean, he, he picked Mike as his coach, but it's obvious over this five-year period that there's been a slow pull apart between them or Mike would have been in the middle of this more. I don't think Mike went and said, get rid of that guy. I don't believe that. I don't think Mike did that. And I'm guessing on both ends. I'm just saying intuition wise, I don't think Mike stuck his neck out to save him when it came time to walk in there and say, Ooh, she's letting him go. I better get in there and have a long talk with her. And I don't think that happened. You may be onto something there, Watson. I think, uh, you know, it's obvious that uh, in this whole scenario, like you said, they were in lockstep when they first got there. Because you remember, you know, Mike Malarkey was forced upon John Robinson. He took the job with the understanding that Mike Malarkey was going to be the head coach after having been the interim to finish out the 2015 season. And then once Robinson got the opportunity to get a little bit more of the power. He wanted Mike Vrabel as his head coach. But, yeah, it is kind of interesting, in, you know, in what you say, uh, if that's plausible, and I have no reason to believe that it's not, Watson, that uh, evidently there was some something that had come between them. And my guess is the something that had come between them was some of these deals that have been made and some of these roster moves where the, the Titans have been found lacking in some of these drafts and some of these uh, personnel moves when they've had to replace some players. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take it a, a little bit stronger Watson than you are. And I'm not necessarily blaming Vrabel for this because the moves that have been made, unfortunately, John, John went through what I would call a bad cold streak. And my guess is that Vrabel got tired of it. He got tired of having to patch up things that he didn't feel needed to get patched up. And I suspect that he has told Amy Strunk, I am being put behind an eight ball that I can't do anything about unless you start helping me to do something about it. And then they go out Sunday and A.J. Brown trashed them. I mean, let's face it. He had a monster game, which you could see coming. They can't cover me if they don't have a pass rush. Boy, that is scary. That'd be um, bad. That, thank you, Billy. It's good to have you on the show today. <laughs> so, but the point is, 
that when they got home there, there's bound to have been a meeting of the minds where he said, see, this is what I'm talking about. You got to do something. Well, I won't be as strong as you, but I'll go philosophically with you. I think they got home and said, we're not close to that football team we just played. Throw out the A.J. Brown. That, that, there's a lot more in that game that wasn't close to the to the talent level on the Titans side, in my opinion, in that game. I'm not sure they didn't come home and say, we're not where we need to be at this time in, 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 in our situation. These windows, Terry, are so small in the NFL. When it's your turn to go for it, you better go for it. And I mean, you better spend your money. I said it yesterday on the show on Monday, George. I said, you get what you pay for. And you better spend your money and go for it. And if you're not there yet, okay, build it up and do it. I think the Titans were in that window here in the last few years. They're in the go for it time. And the first strike was letting A.J. go. The second strike is some of these high draft choices that have not just not been average. They've kind of bombed out, to be very honest. And uh, and and then some, even even some of the ones they brought in, Autry was a great bring in. I'm not big on Bud Dupree. I'm sorry. I'm not a big Bud Dupree fan. I don't see quickness in him. He stays hurt a lot of the time. I don't think he's been worth the money that's been spent on him. Only my opinion, and 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 you guys may not feel that way, but I just I think that Mike's sitting there and Amy's sitting there and saying. Man, this is our window, and we're not where we should be. And we better correct it right now and, and start doing a better job from this point because the Derrick Henrys and the Jeffrey Simmons and the and the Ryan Tannehill's getting older if he's our guy and blah, 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 and Kevin Byard. And we, we better start putting some people with these stars we got or this window, Terry, is going to pass us by. Because no, you're exactly right. right. Terry, let's take this a step further. If you're being fair, the ceiling right now is a first-round playoff victory at home against somebody like JETS or, or whoever. After that, I don't see how you can project that this team's going any farther. No, you're exactly right. I mean, and that's something that I wrote uh, in the aftermath of the Philadelphia loss. It's like, you know, this team has beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. They're going to beat the Houstons and they're going to beat the Jacksonvilles and the Indianapolises and the, the Dregs. Yes. But does anyone, you know, unless they get matched up in the first round with the Jets or maybe the Lamar Jackson-less Baltimore Ravens, are we, do we really think they're going to win? And even if they do win that first round game, I don't see a scenario where this team – in consecutive weeks after having not beaten a good team all year long is going to beat some combination of the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. That's not happening. Terry, let's do this. Let's go to the break, and then I want to get back into how the cold streak started. Isaiah Wilson, Caleb Farley, now A.J. Brown. What are the events that led to this and your perspective from covering it every day? Stay tuned. This is Main Street Media Television.
For Dustin Timmons and Joey Donnelly, they welcome every opportunity to serve and satisfy their clients. Whether you are looking to build your dream home or renovate your current home, their team will ensure that every client and remodel is unique, luxurious, completed on time, and within budget. Contact them today to set an appointment for a free consultation or to view some of their completed projects by logging on to DonnellyTimmons.com. At WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics, we pride ourselves in providing access, innovation, and a patient experience second to none. Access to care and treatment when you need it. Innovation with medical-led cosmetics and various on-site technologies for full-service treatments with a customer experience that is calming, casual, and effective. Independently owned, providing medical, surgical, pediatric, and cosmetic dermatology and more. Visit WellSkinMD.com to schedule your appointment today. WellSkin Dermatology and Aesthetics. Access to healthier skin. It's your last chance to get a spring tune-up for summer. Complete service heat and air can clean your coils. Check out your motor and make sure you have cold air on that first hot day of summer. Complete service heat and air is located in White Bluff, Tennessee. We do service and repair on heating and air the right way. 24-7 service. Call us at 615-797-3997. That's 615-797-3997. Serving Cheatham, Davidson, Dixon, Hickman, Humphreys, Montgomery, and Williamson counties. Have you heard about the high levels of radon in Middle Tennessee? Radon gas is the second leading cause of lung cancer, second only to smoking, and has no color, no taste, and no smell. The only way to know if you have radon is to test for it. Duret Radon Mitigation offers testing for small and large-scale residential and commercial properties plus mitigation services. Visit DuretRadonMitigation.com to request testing or get a free estimate for mitigation. That's DuretRadonMitigation.com. Since 1865, the First Baptist Church of Gallatin on Winchester Street has served its community by catering to the least, the last, and the lost, providing a church of welcome used by God to save the lost, transform the saved, and impact its community. As a proud multi-ethnic congregation, Pastor Derek Jackson personally welcomes you to join them in fellowship Sunday mornings at 8 in person or at 1045 in person or online at firstbaptistgallatin.org. First Baptist Gallatin on Winchester Street, serving with open arms as a true church of welcome. Well, we're spending the hour talking about the Titans' decision today to part ways with general manager John Robinson. Terry, it seems to me there are three lightning rounds in this that really made John look bad. The first one was uh, the the big kid, the offensive lineman. Um, Tell me how that went down, because when you talk to some college coaches – 
they tell you there were warning signs all along that Isaiah Wilson was going to be a disaster. That's interesting because you you do hear those talk, that talk out there and people saying that the kid certainly wasn't mature enough to handle the responsibility and the money that he had been given. And, uh, you know, when you look at that whole thing, makes you wonder why they would have, you know, try to take a risk on a guy like that in the, in the first round. That's the type of guy that even though he may have a lot of talent and may solve a need for you, you went, if he's got character questions or he's got health questions or anything like that, you wait until round three or four, and then take your shot on him. That way you're not out nearly as much, not only in terms of draft capital, but in terms of money that you're paying him up front. Uh, some of that can probably be attributed to the fact that 2020 was the COVID year. And I'd be interested to know, because I think a lot of 2020 draft picks overall, not just with the Titans, but overall, I think a lot of 2020 draft picks have wound up washing out because, you know, on-site visits were disallowed, pro days were shut down. There was really other than the meeting you had with that kid at the combine and maybe what you could glean by a zoom call or a telephone message, that sort of thing. That's about all you got. If you look at the Titans 2020 draft class, Christian Fulton and Lorel Murchison are the only guys left on the roster. Other than Fulton, best guy they pulled out of 2020 was Tier Tart, who was an undrafted guy that they found out at uh, Florida international. Terry, let me try it this way. Did Robinson simply ignore staff that were telling him Wilson's a problem, I don't care, or was their staff clueless? Because there are too many college coaches who have off the record said, I can't believe they took him. Yeah, it may have been some of both. I mean, you know, I think – you know, it sounds like the Titans didn't do their homework well enough on Isaiah Wilson at the start. And then also the very next year, they didn't do their medical homework well enough on Caleb Farley either. They took a chance. I think part of it is this too, George, I think. And tell me if you disagree, but in 2019, you know, when you're, and the Titans have been picking because they've had success, they've been picking in the teens and the twenties and even picked 30 in one of their drafts. So they've been picking toward the bottom of the round where in any given year, there may be 20 to 25 guys who have legitimate first round grades. Well, if you're picking at 28 or whatever, you're probably not going to get one of those. You're going to get somebody who's got a second round grade. You're going to pay them first round money. So John Robinson wisely rolled the dice on Jeffrey Simmons, who had not only an ACL injury, but also had had an off-field incident uh, while he was at Mississippi State. He was a top 10 talent, and they got him with the pick number 19 because of the issues that he had had off the field and health-wise. Turned out to be a great move because right. Jeff Simmons is one of the best players at his position in the entire NFL. Well, and we have to remember that because it's not like the, as Watson said earlier, it's not like the report card is 0.0, which right. by the way, I almost had one year at Vandy, but the problem is that there were too many in a row. There was Isaiah Wilson made him look bad. Farley made him look bad. AJ Brown's making him look bad. 
all of a sudden the what have you done for me lately looks awful. I think maybe there was a, a tendency to delve, go too far down that path and try to take a chance. You know, a lot of people said Caleb Farley was a top 10 talent, but he'd had injury problems. He sat out the COVID year in 2020. He had had, you know, part of his injury problem was a back injury. Back injuries are certainly very tricky. You don't know if a guy, how long a guy can last with a back injury. And if you look at Caleb Farley, he really doesn't look with like he has the build of a guy who can take the pounding that the NFL dishes out. He's built more like a basketball player, George. He's very athletic looking. You know, he can run, he can jump. You know, he's very athletic looking. But I, I question if he has the ability to take an NFL pounding. And then when you add a back injury on top of that, made it for a very risky pick in round one. And it's obviously not panned out. Watson, you're listening to all this. Chime in. Well, I, I think Jeffrey Simmons created Caleb Farley. When you when you go for a guy that's got seventh, eighth, ninth pick in a draft talent, and you get him in the twenties, there's only one way you get one like that: an off the field incident or an injury. The off the field incident with Simmons was nothing. It was not anything like we've seen <laughs> some of the off the field incidents in the past. Yeah, it was when he when he was in high school. And the yes, and the injury was a knee. Knees and shoulders are very fixable. The difference in Caleb Farley, his injury was a back. That's taken a much bigger chance. Backs are 50-50 if they ever play again, guys. That goes into college the same way. You get a kid that's got a bad back, look out. He very well may not ever play again. So that one to me, but I think that one was created by Jeffrey Simmons on how successful they were guys with it. Say, hey, we can do this again. Here's another kid that has seven, eight, ninth round uh, pick in the draft talent, and we got a pick in the 20s. Let's go for it. And because it worked with Jeffrey. But, again, just a, just a bad mistake. Uh, Radance to me, was not a good pick at where he fell in the draft. Well, hey. Ray, the thing with Raidens Watson – he was from the FCS level, which is one double A. So yep. you don't know how ready he is. Most of those guys that come from FCS, you know, having coached at that level some, most of those guys are not immediately ready to go to the NFL and make an immediate contribution. They're projects. And and he's playing on a team that's much better than everybody else in the FCS level. True. And <laughs> with North Dakota State. And they had only played one game in 2020 because of COVID. So you're talking about a guy who played at less than the top level, not like he played at Alabama or Ohio State. He played at North Dakota State and then only played one game. So you're talking about a guy that you're asking to make a tremendous jump and you're drafting him in the second round, hoping he can be a plug and play player. Not going to work. Well, and the thing I've learned, Terry, and I'm learning fast, it's been three years now that I'm watching the NFL every day now when I never never watched an NFL game Sundays in college was our worst work day of all days. And so I never even saw ball games hardly. And now I'm seeing it every day, man, when you miss on talent in the early rounds, it shows 
It shows on your teams. And uh, where are we weak a little right now? Corner, offensive line. I mean, the talent spots that we've kind of missed that we've just been talking about, where are our issues right now on this football team as we try to go into the playoffs and see how far we can go? It's those misses. So they're so important. You make up ground to me, Terry, when as I've watched it in that fourth, fifth, sixth free agent stuff. But you've got to hit it right early. You just can't miss those guys, especially when you're in your window to go. Now, if you're in your window to build, it, it kind of disappears a little bit some. But when you're in the go window, it shows. It really shows. And 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 I just think that's it. It's a shame to me, guys, because look where it was before these two guys came. Look where it was before these two guys came. Look where it is today. It's a whole lot better. They have done a very good job together. But now we're at the pinnacle, Terry, and I think frustration's starting to sit in that we're not better than we are right now because I think they felt last year and this year are the windows. These were the no, two windows. And I think I agree felt that all around the all around the building, they said it's our go time. And now we're sitting here and we're not as good as we thought we were. Yeah. And it was obvious that they weren't going to be as good once they traded away AJ Brown, you know, because you know, there are people who will tell you, and I don't disagree that A.J. Brown was the most important person on the offense, even over Derrick Henry. I agree. Because you saw last year when Derrick Henry went down, they plugged Deontay Foreman in, and, and the offense ran pretty well. It wasn't – I mean, it wasn't Derrick Henry-like. It wasn't ripping off 75-yard runs routinely, but he was still gaining yards and moving the chains. And then – but you take A.J. Brown out of the lineup, now look where they are. See, I think – I think A.J. Brown, I think the person we haven't been talking about is Derrick Henry. And I think Derrick Henry, if I'm him, I'm very upset that A.J. Brown is gone because now that box is full. I'm telling you, it is full. It's not a half a man in there. It's a full man in there because they're not worried about A.J. on the outside. Last year, Derrick had A.J. and the year before, he had A.J. on the outside, and they'd say, man, we can't go in there all the time. we got to pick and choose kind of when we go. These last few games, they said, the heck with it. Throw it to one of them dudes. We're we're taking this away, and, and Derrick Henry is paying for it. They had no, the that, Liberty Bell in the box on huh. Sunday. Not it, only – It was it – was yeah. I counted nine helmets in there sometimes. Yeah. So, Terry, let, let's sort of end it. This way. Let me, throw this, let me throw you this bone first, George, along those lines. The Nick Westbrook Akina and Robert Woods played 98 snaps Sunday. Mm. Two catches for 10 yards combined. They're, they're, they're good players. They're the family guys we were talking about at the start of the show. Hey, fit in, do what you need to do, be here for all of us. But that superstar, I don't care what you say, you got to treat them a little different. You got to treat them a little different because they are the difference for your football team. You're dead on, Terry. AJ Brown could play half of those snaps and make more plays, a whole lot more plays in half of the snaps that those guys are playing. So, Terry, let's read the tea leaves here. 
Vrabel clearly is now in control. He's one of the top five NFL coaches, according to most people who really are experts. And I think all of us believe this guy has made chicken salad out of, you know what? So if he's involved seriously in calling this shot as to Robinson's replacement, is it Patriot? Is it Ohio State? Give me a name or two that makes sense if Vrabel has big power in this, which clearly he does. Yeah, well, one name that you might uh, look at, even though they didn't go with him as the interim, is Monty Ossenfort, who is like the was the number two guy behind Cowden in the personnel department. If they stay in house, that might be an option. I guess they'll look and see at Cowden to see you know how he operates and all. Uh, if you go outside, it's possible, I guess, that uh, you look at the Patriots and the Texans organizations to see uh, somebody there that might be a prospect. Uh, you know, Vrabel has you know connections around the league. It's going to be interesting to see exactly, you know, what direction they go because I got to believe that you know, as the old Bill Parcells line goes, Mike Vrabel's not only about to uh, cook the meal, he's about to get to shop for the groceries as well. Yeah, and, and in fairness on Cowden, look, between now and the end of the season, the only thing he's going to have to worry about is who sits in his suite during the games. They're, they're, they're not trades that are going to be made. There's not a whole lot he can do between now and then to suddenly patch this problem up. George, the last thing I'll add, I know we got to go, whoever comes in, Mike Vrabel is going to have more say-so than he's had in the past. That's what I think. I don't care who they bring in, he's going to have more say-so. And I think that was proven today when this went down. Terry, thank you for doing this uh, on very short notice. Appreciate it as always. No problem. You guys have a good day. We'll go to the break. Stat of the day is next. And then Tony Basilio will join us. (laughs) But first, George, we never got to the Daily Titans update. Read it was the whole hour. I guess that's the reason why. But it has been brought to us by Summer Funeral and Cremation. They are sharing their family with yours in your time of need. They've got two convenient locations in Gallatin and Hendersonville and also online at SumnerFuneral.com. Also, Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. They are proven to be trusted with your most personal asset. The Justin Tucker team, Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty, Give him a call at 615-906-8458. Tony looks like he's got the nachos and maybe a little queso going. We'll find out what he's uh, (laughs) been munching on in about four minutes. Stick around. This is Main Street Media Television. After Hit has become the baseball store in Tennessee. They have over 1,000 different models of gloves and over 1,500 wood bats. They also have several iron mic pitching machines as well as a hit tracks machine. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. We're proud to call Hit After Hit the official shirt provider of the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night.
Walmart supply chain is hiring in Lebanon. Earn up to $22.25 an hour when you join our new fulfillment center. Enjoy competitive pay and premium perks, including 100% paid college tuition, 401k match, flexible schedules, a free Walmart Plus membership that includes discounts, and free Paramount Plus, paid time off, and so much more. Fulfilling work starts right here. Text JOIN to 240-240. That's JOIN 240-240 to apply now. When I made the decision to host the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night, Strike and Spare is where I turned. And what a wise decision that turned out to be. They have five locations in our area with family attractions. They're perfect for birthdays, groups and corporate outings, and holiday parties. For more info, it's simple. Go to strikeandspare.com. This is Eric Berner with Rockcastle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. One area I can help with is if you are newly or nearly retired or maybe have changed jobs and have an old 401k account. You may need more information to help you clearly understand your options. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. Hey everyone, I'm John English. This is Keith Wallace, and we would like to welcome you to John English Antique Sports and Cards in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We specialize in graded and ungraded sports and non-sports cards, vintage wax boxes, and unopened cases. We have a large selection of PSA graded cards. We also specialize in old sports collectibles, baseball, football, basketball, golf, and tennis. You can find it all at John English Antique Sports and Cards. We are happy to be associated with Nashville's greatest sports antique, George Plaster. Welcome back into the George Plaster Show. It's now time for Stat of the Day, and it is brought to us by, as you just heard, John English Vintage Sports in Cards over in Shelbyville. They're open Tuesdays through Fridays from noon to 5 and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 5. You can also find them online at johnenglishgradedcards.com. Also, don't forget about Eric Berner with Rock Castle Wealth Advisors. Call Eric at 615-490-7052 or visit rockcastlewealth.com for more information. Okay, George, you've, you've got Watson today for uh, for a little help. Let's see what Michael's got cooked up. And, heck, we may even uh, check in with Tony if you guys need help. But here it is. Since the start of the last NFL season, which NFL team leads the league in most games with 40-plus points? Okay, the, the easy thing to just pluck out of thin air would be to say, well, Kansas City. Okay, but something tells me it's not that simple. Watson, I don't want to take a lot of time because Tony's in the on-deck circle. He's excited about Trey Turner becoming a Philly. <laughs> I see you smiling back there, Tony. Um, Watson, who do you think it is? Uh, Buffalo, possibly. Uh, well, the, the Vikings, when they seem to score, they score a bunch. Yeah. 
Um, it's not San Francisco. I'm trying to think of the better teams. I Is don't it, think it's would the it, would, would it be the Cowboys or Eagles? Um, one of those two. We're eliminating the Texans. NBC News <laughs> that it's not the Texans. The yeah, other one that Tony, scored Tony a bunch of points this that. year. Tony, thank you. <laughs> the other one scored a bunch of points this year is the Dolphins. They yeah, scored but a lot of points. Since the start of the last NFL season. Oh, it's two seasons. Two yeah. seasons. Yeah. Okay. It's not it's not huge. Philadelphia then. I don't think probably not. A little hint but, Watson has already mentioned the team. Let's go Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, let's go with Buffalo. What the heck? Well, it wasn't quite that oh. team. It's the Cowboys. Cowboys. Serious? Eight games with 40 plus points. Oh, yeah. wow. KC's right behind him with six. Okay. In a moment, we'll find out if Tony had that. Don't you read stuff when Tony comes on? Yes, I do. Got a lot of that's, reading, George. That's exciting. We have entered the five o'clock hour. It is brought to us by Middle Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic. They combine state of the art orthopedic service with a family atmosphere, whether it's a sports injury, a sprained ankle, or a major joint replacement. They've got the staff training and equipment needed to take care of any patient in any circumstance. Visit mtbj.net for more information. And uh, George, that brings us to Tennessee Tuesday with Tony Basilio and as always, it is brought to us by Complete Service Heat and Air. They do service and repair on heating and air the right way. They've got 24-7 service. Call them at 615-797-3997. Serving Cheatham, Davidson, Dixon, Hickman, Humphreys, Montgomery, and Williamson counties. Also, direct radon mitigation. Have you heard of the high levels of radon in Middle Tennessee? Radon gas is the second leading cause of lung cancer. The only way to know is to test for it. Visit direct radon mitigation to schedule a free estimate. And before we get to Tony few words here on complete service heat and air complete service heat and air can clean your coils check out your motor and make sure you have warm air throughout those cold winter months complete service heat and air is located in white bluff tennessee we do service and repair on heating and air the right way 24 7 service call us at 615-797-3997 serving cheatham davidson dixon hickman humphreys montgomery and williamson counties uh, how do I say this? Trey Turner's new best friend, <laughs> Oxville sports talk show host, Tony Basilio. So weird. It's so weird to see the Phillies do normal things. And that's, uh, that's left for other organizations usually, but, uh, there you go. Trey Turner's what, Phil. What's their payroll going to be about 500 million? I mean, I don't know because <laughs> they still have to buy, they still have to fortify and fill out their bullpen. I mean, there's still a whole lot of work left to be done. Are you as big an Eagles fan as you are a Phillies fan? I love the Eagles. But oh, man, you're rolling, I, man. You've had a heck of a year. Oh, hey, man. Yeah. I mean, the Vols, the Phillies, and the Eagles, my gracious, boy. You know, I can't help but think that the Eagles had a part in Robinson going out the door. Um, but that whole thing Sunday, that kind of – you talk about something that blew up in his face. That was not good. No. Yeah. But you could see it coming a mile away. Sure you could, yeah. I feel bad for John. John mm-hmm. is from uh, Union City, Tennessee. Yep. I think, Tony, I think he and Mark Griffin uh, knew each other growing yep. up. And I know what this job meant to him. I feel very bad for him for that point. I mm-hmm. texted him earlier today and just said, hey, <laughs> something good will come out of this. And I, I do believe that for him. He's a good man. I hope it goes well. Yeah, I. you know, I had – um 
little meeting with Mark today, and Mark was saying the same thing. Professional yeah. sports, these high-level college sports are very unforgiving sometimes. You know, you don't win. Somebody's got to pay the price. I'm going to bypass the Orange Bowl for a minute and just go on a little soapbox here. Hendon Hooker got royally screwed. For that young man not to be invited to the Heisman is bull. Thank you. You're exactly right. And I'll tell you what's what's sad about it is he's everything you'd want in a Division One athlete. I mean, he's so exemplary in so many ways. And I just think those voters, that whole system, I think a real disservice is done to the game of football when you take a guy like him and you say, well, you're not even one of the four best in our game. When it really it's a quarterback's award, you going to tell me that guy in one of the top four quarterbacks in the, in the uh, country this year? Come on now. Do you want to see some numbers that I put together earlier that, uh, sure. that Billy will show in a graphic? Yeah. So these are the numbers uh, of the, the four quarterbacks that did get invited mm-hmm. and the one that didn't in Hendon Hooker. And, Tony, I can't find any argument in my mind to say that when he got hurt, he couldn't have been worse than number two at that point. Couldn't have been worse. No, that's exactly right. I mean, the bottom line is if Tennessee would have defeated South Carolina and he would have stayed on his feet, he would be holding the trophy this weekend. But that just goes to show you, um, you know, look, I've never liked that award. To me, you're giving out a personal award in the ultimate team sport. It's just never made much sense to me. But I realize it has prestige. It seems like with every passing year, though, it loses a little something. And maybe that's um, orange-colored glasses speaking. But it just doesn't seem like the same award it was, say, even 20, 25 years ago. It just does not seem the same. It used to be called the most heralded or what was the term they used to use for it? The most cherished trophy in American sports. I, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. Watson, of, give give us some thoughts, uh, and you yeah, kind of take one it. One of the biggest you know. things when you read about the Heisman, Tony, is mm-hmm. which one, and, and it's off the field. There's a lot of stuff to the Heisman Award, but mm-hmm. which one did the most for his team? How in the world, you know who the two I'd pick. That did the most for their team out of that list. The kid TCU. One, yeah. And Max Dugan, D- Duggan, number say that. two. Yeah. Those other guys, CJ Stroud, uh uh-uh. no. uh, Caleb Williams had a good year, but I mean, no. Stetson Bennett's got all kind of great players around him. And I'm not saying he don't deserve to be there, but yeah. the guy that did the most for his football team on that board was Hendon Hooker. And it's a shame to me because I think the injury is the reason they didn't put him in there. And that's not fair. He, he, doesn't make, he, doesn't, played, does, yeah. he played 11 games, nearly 11 games. He got hurt in the fourth quarter of the South Carolina game. Mm-hmm. And and I think he's not there just because he got hurt. That's not fair. Uh, but when you watch Tennessee play and then you watch those other teams play, Max and Hendon are the two quarterbacks that really did the most for their, their two teams. I don't feel good about any of the four that are there. I don't. I don't look at it this year. The one I would vote for out of that four is Max Max Dugan. I would. I would not. I don't feel great about Caleb Williams winning it. I just. No. That's just me. I just. I just don't. This feels like a year where you know baseball Hall of Fame. 
there are no inductees. That's the way I look at that award. I mean, yeah. I'm not trying to knock anybody, but I don't see anything distinguishing anybody on that list to say, boy, that's a Heisman Trophy winner. And in fact, here's the thing that really kind of irks me. The Williams kid is going to win it. Yeah. And he lost yeah. the other night, his first last time out. And didn't look very good doing it. And people say, well, you know, the hamstring and the this and the that. Hey, listen, they 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 fought Hendon Hooker for the way he went out. And they held that against him. And I don't see how you can lose the same team twice in one year and turn around and win the award. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's me. No. And, and to lead to that, Tony, I, it's easy for me. It's that losing to South Carolina and then losing your quarterback, your Heisman yeah. Trophy quarterback yep. is so devastating that it takes away from the year they had. You, We all kind of forget this team was that close to being mm-hmm. in the Final Four. I mean, that close to being in the Final Four. And uh, – uh, but we, we backed away from giving them the credit the year they've had. Um, I probably was more proud of the coaching staff and the team in that yeah. last game as I was in any all year because everybody was on them. They've gone from the stars, the heroes, to everybody on them just like that. And to turn around and come back and play that hard and that tough in Nashville against the team, Vanderbilt wasn't anywhere close to them, but against the team that had won two straight SEC football games. Yes. And to go on the road, even though it wasn't on the road, but to go on the road and do that to me is a great credit to them. And and I just think it's a shame that we're kind of forgetting just how good a year that really was. And you know what? Furthering your point, which, hey, it's easy to forget. You were riding high 8-0 at one time. You know, they, they announced the Yeti Robinson Coach of the Year finalist today. You know Josh Heupel's not even one of the final eight. Who was in it? I mean, Here they are. That's Sonny nuts. Dykes is one. Mike Elko, two. Willie Fritz, Tulane. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. Believe it or not, Lincoln Riley from USC. Kirby Smart, Georgia. John Summerall, Troy. And Jeff Trailer from Texas, San Antonio. I'm sorry. I- I'm sure a lot of those guys had great years. Coach in this league, get your team to ten and two with that roster, and then give me a call. I mean, give me a break, guys. No, I'm with you on that too. But that's where I'm. That's exactly to me, Tony. What we're dealing with here, we're going from uh, everybody's in shock year to all of a sudden, and you lose the quarterback, and now you're going to play Clemson with a backup, and you're wondering how it's going to. All of a sudden, it it sounded like it was an average year. This was no average year. I mean, all the door two years ago, they had nothing. A right. bunch of the kids had left. They had an NC2A investigation hanging over them. Right. I mean, you, we forget how quickly, how bad things are and how he turned it around. I know I sound like I'm, I'm really tooting his horn, but I, I just don't see taking where he's come from in two years it is easier to change a program now, Tony, than it used to be because of this transfer portal. Sure. And the NIL money. You can, sure. go, you can go spend a lot of money on two or three guys and really improve your program. But 
still to come as far as they have, like they have, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't think anybody in the country has done that. I didn't see the jump in Southern Cal the way I saw it, the jump in Tennessee. I just didn't see that. Gets no credit. I mean, that's so, what you say is really accurate, which is we live in a society where it's moment to moment. And the yeah. minute you lose that same media that can't wait to build you up, they can't wait to kill you. And it is just how it is. I guess, yeah. I guess that's what happened to Tennessee this year. Because the, the other guy they've got left that's up for one of these national awards is the great wide receiver. And is he not going to get the Blitnikoff Award now? Uh, Jalen Hyatt, who yeah. whose numbers are just they blow everybody off the field in college football. I guess he's not going to win the award either. I, it's almost like and I'm not trying to sound homerish, but it's almost like Tennessee season didn't happen now. It's very strange. I, I just think the way it went down at the end, Tony, it's hard for people to get past and to see past it. That was so devastating to lose bad at South Carolina. And if I'd have thought yeah. about that more, that that was a that was a trout, man. That's Horrible. that is yeah. a very tough place to play. Yeah. Very tough place to play. Now, the week before they had made nine first downs against Florida, so it wasn't right. you know, that that didn't make it much of a trap that way. But I think losing Hendon Hooker is what changed everything. It changed the look of the Tennessee team. Everybody would be excited about going to the Orange Bowl and playing Clemson right now if he was still playing. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's a question mark. Oh, gosh, are we good enough to beat Clemson mm -hmm. with our quarterback situation the way it is? Mm -hmm. I think Hendon is the one that changed the whole thing, that injury. And it, it's just an absolute shame that it went down that way. Watson, let me ask both of you, though. I've been a Heisman voter in my past. I mean, that's that's irresponsible to just completely dismiss his achievements because all of a sudden there's an ACL issue. I mean, this guy was out of his mind good, and all of a sudden, I mean, I'm sorry, C.J. Stroud does not deserve to be there no. over Hendon Hooker. No. But, George, you know how it goes. C.J. Stroud is a guy in August and July and back in May when the annuals that are still out there come out who they splash on the covers and who all these guys talk about. And what's never made any sense to me about that award, and here's why I largely have ignored it down through the years, you can't tell me, George, in baseball, we don't pick the MVP in April. We don't say who the MVP is going to be. And then that's who the MVP is going to be. We, we don't do that. Why do we do that in college football? That's the only reason C.J. Stroud's going. It's the only reason. Well, th this is really – this this one bugs me. Yeah. It's irresponsible. This I mean, put his numbers back up there for just a minute, if you will, Billy. I mean, look at 27 touchdowns to two INTs. Right. I mean, that's unbelievable. In 11, and, 11 games. And that 11 games. weren't a seat in New York. And leads all of those quarterbacks in rushing, by the way, too. Yeah. I mean. So and it's one, game, it's one game short, and it's two games short of three of them, and one game short of the guy that's going to win it. Uh, so. No, I don't I think he will win. I think Caleb Williams will win. Let's say he had stayed healthy. Okay. I think you can pretty easily say that he was going to throw for three or 400 against Vandy. Oh, and, and many touchdowns. Many yeah. Touchdowns. And, and take that. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, and take that number quite a bit higher. I mean, what help me, Tony, what did he not do to get a seat at that table? He wasn't a part of the club. And the wow. weirdest and thing he didn't about finish that, the year. And you didn't finish the year. And the weirdest thing about that award is I'm telling you, this Caleb Williams guy's gonna win it. And he did not look good Friday night. I don't care, healthy, not healthy, 100%, 30%. I don't care. He did. If you guys want to tell me that's a Heisman Trophy winner, please don't give the award out. And he's going to win the award. He is going to win the award. He doesn't yeah. deserve it. So we got about, let's say, four, five, six minutes here. Yeah. So it's Clemson in the Orange Bowl. Yes. Will this be a big travel Tennessee fan base, or are they in sort of the hangover because of the way it ended? Oh, no. Tennessee fans are going to travel to that game. Uh, Tennessee yeah. fans, haven't, they haven't been in a near six bowl in forever. They haven't been in the Orange Bowl in 25 years. This is a celebration of Tennessee football. Um, Watson has a really good point. He saw him up close and personal last week. I watched the game last week, North Carolina-Clemson game. Uh, what? Dabo Swinney, and I was talking to one of their writers today. Who's been over I know where this years. is going. Well, no, I mean, we call him Coach Chart here because I can't pronounce that kid's name, but that poor kid can't play. I mean, that guy bounced three three balls to start the game. He threw one high, and they got him out of there. If they don't do that, that game is an absolute blowout. And the Flipping Burgers thing, a guy on my, uh, a guy on my show had a pretty good line. Kevin Steele, who coached at both places, you know, he's down there at Miami. And the last time they played in that game when he was down there, I think West Virginia put 75 on one of his defenses. And, <laughs> and one of our guys wants him to go out and flip a, um, a, a hamburger in honor of what uh, Dabo said. Uh, instead of uh, tossing a coin to begin the game, Watson, we're going to flip a hamburger. And one side's going to be charred black. Like uh, that last defense they had down there that that night in the uh, Orange Bowl, and uh, then the other side is whatever it's going to be. But guys, I'm telling you, this game Tennessee fans are excited about it, and it's going to be fun. Now, what's going to happen? I'm going to premedicate before that game after watching that freshman play last week, guys, from Clemson. I'm premedicating, thinking about him, Watson throwing on our defense. I'm, I'm already starting to premedicate, guys. I, I what what a what a big night or afternoon, whatever it is, for Joe Milton. Oh, I mean, what a big game this is! This is it for him now. I mean, if he goes and he performs, he's the next man, Tony. Can he do? If he if he does not play well, if he does not play well now, they're going somewhere else. They're going with a young one there, or go get one and. What a big game this is for that kid. But they're saying no opt-outs for him. I mean, no opt-outs for Clemson on that defense. So if Clemson brings all those big guys in there on that defensive line. Well, it's just it, – but that, that, that's what they play every week, Tony. That's that's what Tennessee plays every week in the Boom. SEC. That I front like that. seven – that front <laughs> seven is SEC front seven. Now, the secondary is not. Not. I'm telling you, the yeah. secondary is not. And uh, of course, I'm not one to be talking. I said for a month, my brother's going to beat him. <laughs> so, you know, you know, um, my wife said to me, "Did you text Watson?" I said, "Are you kidding me? I'm not going to text him." He's got a lot of texts. You, you should have, because I deserved it. 
I, 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 again, went with my heart, and that will get you in more trouble. And he gets on me when I make bad picks. Well, that one wasn't bad. That was, uh, bad. That was yeah. horrendous. So but, let me ask both of y'all this. Can Tennessee afford to wait to see if Milton is any good in the Orange Bowl? Don't they have to hedge their bet with all of these really good names in the portal? I don't know. I, they, from what I understand, Tony would be able to vouch for this a lot better than me. I think they really like some of the young guys that are on their, mm-hmm. their team. So, George, I don't think they'll think they got to go do that. I think they like some of these young guys they got, and I think Joe takes over if he plays well in this game, and if he doesn't, I think they'll go with one of the young guys and let them battle it out in the spring. I don't think they'll go for a transfer quarterback. Maybe I'm wrong, Tony. Help me with that. What do well, you think? Well, if he bombs out, if he bombs out in the bowl game, they're almost going to be forced to try and do something. I would think Watson. You you I don't think, think the they'll stay right within now, the young guys? Well, the idea right now is to make Taven Jackson think that he's got a really great chance of starting to start the season. Keep both those guys interested. Keep them on your roster. And these days, you've got to massage these guys, you know, because everybody knows. Hey, you've got a guy over here that can play a little bit. And they think this Jackson guy has a future as a college quarterback, whether it's here or somewhere. And I think the concept is to keep him engaged, keep him here. Now, he's got a shoulder deal, or he would get every opportunity to play in this game. I, I really believe that. I think if he didn't have the shoulder situation, he'd get an opportunity to play in this game, but he's not going to be available. So with that in mind, you know, like you say, the hope is that Milton plays well. And, and with him, he's a box of chocolates. Who knows? He's an absolute wild card. In fact, both these quarterbacks are wild cards. Because the other kid from Clemson, you can't tell me that if they didn't have more confidence in him, they wouldn't have moved off uh, the, uh, the the upperclassmen to begin with. But there was Ukulele. something about that kid. They didn't trust him. They did I, not trust I, that young kid I, in practice. There's gonna, something about him. We'll talk about it a bunch, Tony, as it goes. But yeah, I just got a feeling Tennessee's going to get them pretty good and – I think Milton will play the best we've seen him play. How far does he take that? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think he's going to play a solid game in this game. Tony, I need a 30-second answer. Where yeah. I'm going with this is, aren't most of these transfer portal kids going to commit before that bowl game? I mean, I would think so, unless a lot of these teams that are involved with them say, give us give us some time here. Give us some time. Yeah. And I think Tennessee's calculus says, I'm talking to somebody, Look, if we've got to go get somebody, we'll just go get somebody in the spring because the other thing that happens is freshmen come in and start early now. So incumbent guys or veteran guys realize I don't have a spot on this roster anymore. So a bunch of those guys jump in the spring as well. You know, there's there's talk, George, of one guy that I think fits their offense to a T. Who's that? That they're saying he very well could come out in his last year. And Sam Hartman at yeah. Wake Forest. Ooh. I'm telling you, that kid fits the Ooh. orange offense. That, that'd be scary. Ooh, don't I'm telling that. you, I'm hearing there's a great chance he may come Ooh. out. That's the one that fits him right there. And He's when hitting the hooker Watson, without the same legs. And when Watson hears it, it's normally pretty good info. There you go, Watson. You know, it's – <laughs> I also no. heard North Carolina was going to beat Clemson, too. Right. That was real good info. Now, your picks. Now, again, your Orange Bowl pick, I'm taking with a grain of salt. No offense. Your pick on the uh, quarterback deal, though, I'm listening to that. But your Orange yeah. Bowl pick, 
I think you got a little, there's a little dislike there from Clemson. I think there's a deep seated or something going on. There. <laughs> I'm feeling that Watson. No offense. Um, to you. No, no, I'm staying out of it. No comment. I'm <laughs> staying completely away from so it. There's something that's going on in his childhood. Yes. <laughs> Tony, I, maybe, along in childhood, maybe but... Clemson spurned him. Maybe. Then it was Alabama. Then yes. it became Vandy. Hey, or, yeah. Two words to end this. Trey Turner. Boy, I love it. Uh, you should. Let's let's He's go sign some more. Player. I feel like a Yankee fan all of a sudden. We're a have. <laughs> Who knows? Go get Aaron Judge. Hey, thank you guys. Be blessed. Hey, Tony, all thank right, Tony. you. Appreciate thank it. You guys. Okay. Good stuff. Continuing what has been an unbelievable show so far. One of the real clutch of all clutch players in college basketball history. Former Vanderbilt basketball star Barry Goheen will join us after the break. I can't even remember how many buzzer beaters he had. And here's what's scary. I was one of his broadcasters. This is Main Street Media Television. Buying or selling a home can be a very personal experience. Why not go with the team that receives nearly all of their business from referrals? Clearly a trusted name in real estate. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners has sold more than 500 homes in the last seven years. Voted best in Sumner County multiple times. Proven to be trusted with your most personal assets. Call the Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners at 615-906-8458. The Justin Tucker team with Platinum Realty Partners. Middle Tennessee's most trusted team in realty. I highly recommend Sumner Funeral and Cremation because of their caring nature and attentiveness to detail. Pre-planning your funeral now will bring you peace of mind and less stress to your loved ones. When the chaos of losing you happens, your family can honor and celebrate your life, knowing things are happening just as you wanted them to. Pre-planning determines the details of your funeral, cemetery services, and can be less expensive. We are honored to serve you and are always here for you in your time of need. Sumner Funeral and Cremation. Traditional. Affordable. Dignified. SumnerFuneral.com Jody Jones Dentistry can handle all your dental needs from the basics to cosmetic procedures. All of this in the nicest dental facility I have ever seen. Jody has done it right. They're located conveniently at 55 Music Square East and for an appointment, it's simple. Dial 615-259-5100 and tell them Plaz sent you. When you're thinking about golf, consider Riverside Golf Links. Under new ownership, the course has improved dramatically. It's now 27 holes, complemented by a nine-hole executive course. Book a tee time now at 615-847-5074 and get ready to enjoy the beauty of golf in the Old Hickory area at Riverside Golf Links. I'm Bart Durham. I was sworn in as a lawyer in 1963, and I've been working as a lawyer since then. We're a firm that does exclusively 
personal injury, a lot of tractor-trailer crashes, insurance companies will open up their checkbooks when you force them to. We have systems that work. We get the most money for our clients in the shortest amount of time. I'm Blair Durham. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. This is Eric Barner with Rock Hassle Wealth Advisors. I help people in the pursuit of making their money live as long as they do. People hire me because I use a customized, individualized, and personal approach for the person I'm working with. Everyone's situation is different. If you've lost a spouse or a parent and want to make sure your inheritance is utilized and does not just disappear, I can help with that. Call me at 615-235-1058 or email eric at rockcastlewealth.com. We are back. You know, I was trying earlier today, a little show prep, and I was trying to write down to my memory all of the buzzer beaters that Barry Goheen had in an incredible college career. He's going to laugh because I know I've missed on a couple. I was there at the Palestra for what I think was the first one of those, a buzzer beater that beat Penn. Um, and that was in December, I want to say, of 85. I could be wrong, but somewhere in that area. There was a step-back three-pointer after the three-point field goal line had been installed against the Georgia Bulldogs that helped Vandy to a Memorial Gym win. There was a half-court shot against the Louisville Cardinals that beat them at Memorial Gym when Denny Crum was the coach, and Louisville was riding high. There is the one that virtually all of you remember, and that is in March of 1988 in Lincoln, Nebraska. He hits a three at the buzzer of regulation to force an overtime against Pittsburgh that Vandy eventually wins. Pittsburgh, by the way, little known fact, had an assistant coach on that team named John Calipari. I think there are a couple more, but I can't remember them. And I tried looking them up today and couldn't find what I needed. Barry Goheen is now an author, wrote a book entitled Buzzer Beaters and Memorial Magic. And he will be part of a group tomorrow night. Will Purdue will be a part of that as well. An NCAA tournament team in 1988 that will be honored at Memorial Gym. You saw C.M. Newton and Coach John Bostic. I think we've got Barry on audio only, if yep. I'm correct. He's on by phone. He's on by phone. Barry, how are you? Well, well, at, least, at least he should be. At least be. we think we've got him. Barry, are you there? 
Okay. Not yet. Let's try We'll it. have a little patience. Try him now, George. Okay. Let's see if we can bring Barry Goheen in here by way of audio. Barry, are you there? I am. Are you? Beautiful. I'm there. I'm there. Good to I don't see know you. If you. Heard this. I listed four of the buzzer beaters. The the last second shot at Penn, the step back three at home against Georgia, the the half court thing against Louisville, and then the uh, the obvious three pointer that we just showed um, against uh, Pitt. I'm missing some, and I know I am. Tell me wh what am I missing? I think if you're talking about last second shots. You know, I, th I think the one that's missing would be when I was a freshman, we had a game against Tennessee where we came from eight down with sure. uh, maybe 50 seconds to go and won that game. There was a, there were a couple of other shots that won the game. Uh, the other team had a chance to tie or win, and they missed the shot. So I think those went down as game-winning shots, but not necessarily buzzer beaters. Barry, did you have any history of this in high school? Where did this come from? <laughs> Sound like I'm talking about a medical condition. <laughs> right. Um, Where did your asthma start? Yes, exactly. I think it started in – well, I, I in high school, we didn't have as many close games. I mean, we, um, we were very good in high school. There were a couple of games that I did tie or win late in the game. I don't think it was anything quite along – the uh, the thrill spectrum that we had at Vanderbilt, but we played a great uh, a great deal of very competitive, top notch opponents in high school, and I think that really helped train me for what was to come at Vanderbilt. Because as you well know, CM scheduled uh, very aggressively uh, outside the conference, and the SEC was also very good in those days as well. So. You know, we played a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of close games. And I think just having grown up in, in an environment where we played a lot of challenging teams, I believe a lot of that rubbed off, not just on me, but I think on a lot of my teammates as well. They all perform pretty well, as you know, in late games as well. Barry, you know, um, and I remember it, long before you had proven any of this stuff, CM was a huge believer in you. Where do you think you won him over where he got to a point that any time it got late in the game, it was yours? Well, I really wish you were still around for you and me both to ask him that question because I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I can answer that question. I, I think, you know, very first game that I had in college, which was in front of about 20 people in Clemson, which I'd <laughs> heard that name in the previous segment. So yeah. here we go again, but we were at the, the old Ipte tournament and we played South Florida. And at the end of the game, uh, we were behind by one point. I drew a foul on the offensive player and got uh, and hit both ends of the one and one, which um, could have won the game, but then they came down in four seconds and hit a, <laughs> hit their own buzzer beater on a putback. But no, I being my first college game. I, I think, um, I think they gave Coach Newton the idea that I would be able to handle the pressure late in games. And from that point you know, forward, really, I was in most of the late games. I didn't start as much my freshman year, but there were 
you know, in late games, and I remember several of them. I, I was there sometimes in a three guard alignment with the two seniors on that team. And he did have a great deal of confidence. And of course you want to be able to uh, reward that confidence. And, and I think a lot of times I was able to do that, but I think coach Newton just had a good feel for what players could do in certain situations. And I know Watson, you know that as well. He just had that, you know, that coaches have a good idea of what are the strengths of the players, where where are they best situated to perform? And I think he he seemed to have draw that kind of beat on me early on. And he saw some of my high school games, which I'm sure also informed his opinion of me. Watson, say hello to Barry Goheen. Barry, man, it's great to hear your voice. I I can remember so many different times through that last year there where you, when y'all went to the and beat Pitt. I know exactly where I was when you beat Pitt. Um, <laughs> so do I. <laughs> so it's and it's been many, many years. I know I'm a lot grayer looking. I'd love to see you. You're probably a little older looking too, but but I know I am. And uh, you look uh, younger than I do, Coach. I'm oh no, I wouldn't that. say that. Hey, George, if I, I'll go ahead and just ask a question since I'm here and let you take it back. But no, go ahead. The the thing to me, Barry, that I've always believed. And you were one that proved it to me. To gain confidence, you got to have some success at what you're doing before you gain confidence. And then when you gain confidence, confidence leads to poise. And was it easier for you after you hit an early one in your early stage and as you get in those situations more and more? Didn't that confidence from those early ones mean so much to you and really make you make maybe this, I guess your last one was this pit shot in the, in the NC two A's. It, it does. I think you raise a good point, a coach. And you know, you're no stranger to clutch play yourself uh, in football. So I think you could probably understand how, how it is as a player. And then you had the, you know, I think you had the position as a coach to observe it more, but you know, when you're a player and you do have a, an initial, um, an, an initial event that helps, even though we didn't win the game I just talked about in my first game, but, you know, it helped uh, feed some confidence in me. Clearly it placed a lot of trust in coach Newton uh, to place more trust in me. So I, you know, it was a really, uh, it did feed off that. So it does bring up the question, what if I missed the front end of that one and one and we lose right there, you know, is that will yeah. coach Newton be as uh, bullish on putting me in the game the next time the game is on the line? Who knows? But uh, I'm happy it worked out the way it did. And he, you know, he, of course, was was the right coach for me at the right time in my life for, for certain. Barry, uh, tell us a little bit about the book. I, I brought up the name of it earlier. Why did you decide to do it? And so far, how is it uh, how is it sold? It came out about three years ago. I, I it, it, 2010 or 2011, I think I just started thinking that, well, you know, I have a lot of information. I, you know, my parents scrapbooked really well the the um, four years I was there. Uh, I had some other sources that, that I had, and I thought, well, let's just see if I put this to paper what it might look like. I didn't really have a goal of publishing it at the time, and I didn't work on it, um, you know, real religiously. I, you know, obviously had another job, and sometimes I would go weeks, maybe months without even picking it up, and that's why it took eight years to put together. But I just thought it would be fun, kind of uh, a stress release from work, uh, just to see what what it might look like. Because I, because the truth is, we 
it's a very interesting story. And I'm not saying my story is interesting, but I think the Vanderbilt story is interesting during that era because we played so many good teams. I mean, you, you would have almost have to say here, here are the good teams we didn't play. You know, we played North Carolina, Duke, Indiana, Notre Dame, Louisville, Michigan, Ohio state. And, and that's just Kansas state. And that's just teams outside the sec. So I thought it would be interesting just to, say you kind of have a setting of college basketball in the late 80s because we interacted with so many great players and coaches plus we had our own great coach and we had a great player as well with will purdue on the 88 team i think that's a good story and i think it's been well received Uh, mercer who was the publisher sold out of the hard copy uh printing so there are soft cover copies available still but it's been well received i'm I'm uh, I'm pleased that the reaction that it's gotten, not just among Vanderbilt fans, but among college basketball fans. Did uh, Did Coach Newton know you were writing it? He didn't. I uh, I only I, I really didn't tell anybody I was working on the book because I, as I said, I didn't really have a goal of publishing it, so I didn't want to tell someone I was working on it, and then it might turn out not to be published. Uh, and to be honest, George, I I sort of held back finishing the book and just to be honest until coach Newton passed away. Yeah. Uh, and as you know, and you were there, you were so, so good at, at his Tuscaloosa Memorial service with what you did there that wound up being the code of the book. I had it, I had it all pretty much finished. And, um, you know, I waited in for a single page, uh, coda to as a very last page of the book. So I thought, I thought that kind of wrapped it up. Coach Newton did not know I was working on the book he probably would have had a, a typical CM reaction like, oh, Barry, why are you wasting your time? Wasting on your I'm not, time. I was... I'm not that interesting or something like that, to which we'd get into a needless fight because he was that interesting and he was a great person and a great coach. So, you know, I, I kind of held it back from him. But Martin, his son, came to a book launch party we had in Atlanta about three years ago when right before it came out. He was generous enough to come over from Sanford. Wow. Yeah. Um, and he gave some very kind remarks uh, about Coach Newton and about the book that he that he had read uh, that we had in Atlanta. So uh, that's about as close as I guess he got. But um, I'd like to see. Yeah, it'd be fun if Coach Newton read it just to see what he'd think about it. But yeah, uh, it's he, uh, he, let me let me say this. It's really well written. Thank uh, you. I, I read the thing cover to cover probably in about four days. And obviously I lived a lot of it. So it interested me a lot, but I don't believe there's a Vanderbilt basketball fan out there that goes back to that era that wouldn't find this to be a really good read. I would encourage anybody who has a Vanderbilt basketball tie, find a way to get this book buzzer beaters and Memorial magic. And you all are being honored tomorrow night. That's going to be fun. We're very excited about it. I've seen some of the guys today. We watched the team practice. We were hopeful that uh, maybe some of our pit mojo from 88 will rub off on the team tomorrow night and, and bring home a, what would be a very good, solid non-conference win if they can win it. Barry, I'm looking forward to having dinner with you guys tomorrow night. Yes, we're looking forward to it too, George. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. Always a pleasure to see you as well. It's an honor, Barry. Good luck, buddy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. One of the all-time good guys as well and a damn good attorney down in Atlanta. If anybody uh, needs a little litigation stuff, he's pretty darn good at it, which shouldn't surprise anybody.
We'll go to the break and then plaster bet of the day is coming up next. Walmart supply chain is hiring in Lebanon. Earn up to $22.25 an hour when you join our new fulfillment center. Enjoy competitive pay and premium perks, including 100% paid college tuition, 401k match, flexible schedules, a free Walmart Plus membership that includes discounts and free Paramount Plus, paid time off, and so much more. Fulfilling work starts right here text JOIN to 240-240. That's JOIN 240-240 to apply now. Hit After Hit has become the baseball store in Tennessee. They have over 1,000 different models of gloves and over 1,500 wood bats. They also have several iron mic pitching machines as well as a hit tracks machine. If they don't have it, you probably don't need it. We're proud to call Hit After Hit the official shirt provider of the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night. When I made the decision to host the Plaster and Friends Celebrity Bowling Night, Strike and Spare is where I turned. And what a wise decision that turned out to be. They have five locations in our area with family attractions. They're perfect for birthdays, groups and corporate outings, and holiday parties. For more info, it's simple. Go to strikeandspare.com. This is attorney Bart Durham, and this is me. I'm Aaliyah. Keeping in good physical condition is really important to me. But when I had a wreck with a tractor-trailer truck that hurt my legs so bad, I couldn't work for almost a year, I knew I needed a lawyer that understood tractor-trailer cases. So I called Bart. Bart gets millions of dollars for his clients every year. At Bart Durham Injury Law, we've handled hundreds of tractor-trailer cases. My dad and I want to help. Give us a call at 615-242-9000. Welcome to the Omni Nashville Hotel. Urban elegance with a vintage touch. Our 800-room hotel opened up in the fall of 2013 with 746 guest rooms and 54 suites. Welcome back into the George Plaster Show. It's now time for Plaster's Bet of the Day. It is brought to you by Bart Durham Injury Law. Since 1975, they have aggressively protected the rights of a broad range of victims of car accidents and personal injury in both Tennessee and Kentucky. If you, too, have seen your life interrupted by an injury on a highway, in a hospital, or at your workplace, 
let their attorneys do the work fighting for the full financial compensation that you need. Learn more about Bart Durham Injury Law by logging onto their website. That's bartdurham.com. Okay, let's check out what happened last night with you, George. Uh, you you completed your your teaser with Dallas and Tampa. Tampa pulled it out somehow late last night. Well, I'll tell you how. It was Mr. Tom Brady, and uh, that puts you two games above 500. And that percent would be? Don't know. Um, had not <laughs> I thought it. you would have had that before the show well, even started. you know, things have a way of happening. Let's go with um, 50.6. 50.6. Almost back up to 51. So let me say, Watson, Tampa no. is wanting a bunch of Gerber's baby food for an offense. They don't do anything. Who are you talking about? Tampa. They don't challenge people anymore. They don't go deep at all. It's a uh, bunch of Gerber's baby food. I'm, I'm, I think the I think the Bucks look to me a little like the Titans. They might win the first home game, but they ain't going no further than that. No, no. I have the division because their division's bad too. It's just a pile of mush. Yeah, he, he didn't know. have anybody to throw to. I mean, I don't even know. And, I don't but, know, but he does, Billy. I mean, he's got Evans. He's got got Godwin. Godwin. I mean, he he does have good players. I don't know. Those are the ones that won a Super Bowl. He threw two when he won the Super Bowl. Uh, so I don't I don't I don't know what's going on there. But they, they just don't challenge look, anybody. They just look dull. Yes, it's, it's like they don't they don't care to be there. I mean, seriously, till the last two minutes of the game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's see if we can win it now. They look like they went through the motions last night. I'll admit, I was bored enough. I fell asleep with about eight minutes. I turned it over late to see what the score was. I said, oh, I think I'll just watch play it out. I didn't watch two middle quarters. And then I watched the last 45 seconds. I I guess the crowd noise, noise woke me up. I saw the end of it, and I'm like, how in the world did New Orleans lose this? Good Lord. This hurt, is, yeah, boy. That win by Tampa is fool's gold. They aren't any good right now. Uh, I think they'll beat somebody in the first round at home. And that's that's it. it. That's about where they'll go. Okay, tonight. College hoops? Well, yeah. I'm going to take Maryland at home, and it's not Minnesota. It's, uh, excuse me, I'm going to take Wisconsin at home. We got the wrong team. Oh, you wrote down Minnesota. Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, there, that's my bad. Then, uh, Billy, don't take on the boss now. No, absolutely. God, no, don't, we don't, don't go there, boy. Why did I write that? Is my fault, man. Mm-hmm. Trying to trick, uh, trick Wisconsin, George there. Right. <laughs> Wisconsin is who we're taking tonight. Okay, it says Minnesota. If you're going Minnesota, make sure it's the Vikings, <laughs> not the University of. I'm going Wisconsin at home as a dead pick'em against a very talented Maryland. This is one of those Big Ten um, kind of things early. This is going to be a good game. Big Ten hoops already back Big in action. Ten, man, it's early. Way too early. Pac-12, too? They- yeah. I don't know what's going on. They're all starting way too early. Watson, we've had a heck of a show today. Ooh, this has been a, a wild ride here, buddy. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, and I'm going to call you about this later, Watson, 
Um, let's see. Scott Ramsey will join us to discuss Kentucky and Iowa. Mm. I think it's fair to say that the over-under in that game will be lower than last year's Tennessee-Purdue matchup. It'll be lower than the first quarter over under. Yeah, you're you're probably right. <laughs> what if they have this? And Mark McGee will join us to talk about the suddenly surging Preds, who I think I'm right are seven one and one in their last nine. Yeah, coming on. Yeah, good for them. Okay, good, good for the Preds. Watson, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, guys. Billy. George. Try to behave. I'll try to. Yeah, when it says Wisconsin on the paper. Yeah, that's – I need a slap on the wrist. Go with Wisconsin. (laughs) See all of you tomorrow. This Main Street Media Television.